Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 135. It's now been three years and three months exactly since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. It's been a busy yet reflective week for me. So I'm so happy to be here on the mountain to process my thoughts, share my heart, and to hear from some of you. After we listen to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, I'll share what I'm letting go of today. I'll read just a snippet of my latest blog post and Donnie's brave and heartfelt comment. Then we'll say hello to new BC's Taylor and Amanda, who posted on the Compulsive Overeating Diary page on Facebook. Here's some comments from last week's show from Donnie and Rabbit. Listen to a touching and brave call from new BC Kevin, who last called the Bravery Hotline on day 130, which triggered me to ponder grief, connection, and how we grow into our new identities. So stay tuned while we listen to Josh, and then I'll let you know what I'm letting go of today. But I'm letting go. Josh, I have to be honest, when I was running up this hill today, I didn't even know if I was going to have a chance to listen to you because right there in my path was a deer who looked like he or she was bound and determined to just run right down the path over me. And I got to tell you, I had to learn to be in the moment because a deer is huge. A deer is like a big horse. And when they come running down the path, they don't wish to harm you. But if you're in their way, you could be in some pretty bad danger. And since I was hiking alone, I'm thinking, oh, this could be like not good if this deer gets spooked and here I am. And my first instinct is to like jump to the right, but coming up the mountain to the right is over the cliff. So I'm thinking, okay, I need to find my way to the left side so that in case this deer comes running, I can at least jump onto the side of the path that wouldn't send me tumbling down the hill, whether the deer hit me or not. You know, so I'm having to have all these wits about me, right? And I'm going, boy, this is a really bad time for a deer to be in my path. But you know, the deer wasn't thinking about me. The deer was just looking for water or food or doing whatever the deer would do. So I immediately turned off my phone because I'm usually listening to other podcasts as I'm walking up the mountain or music. And I knew that I had to have my ears open and to be on the alert so that I could hear if that deer was coming back down. Okay, so this was really different. I felt like I was on a safari, only I was sort of the prey, even though the deer didn't want to hurt me. But I had all my senses on alert. And I was looking behind me and in front of me and to every side of me. And all of the colors became more vivid. And I could smell all the smells. And I noticed the fresh deer scat or deer poop in front of me. I said, this deer has just been here recently, right? <laughs> so my heart was pounding. And yet time stood still as I went step 
by step. In fact, I even put away my hiking poles. Usually I use hiking poles to help me protect my knees and go up the hill. But I thought, I don't want them to slow me down in case I have to throw myself up the hill and out of the deer's way. So I put those away, got my pack ready, and just crept step by step by step up the mountain. And I was never so glad to see the next atop Zen space as I was today because not only is it shady to offer a great view, but it's kind of out of the path that the deers would normally run on their way to water. So I feel just a little bit more confident and I can see up the hill and I can see down the hill. And so I've got a pleasant view. So Lori, what does all this have to do with today's topic? Well, it was very timely because today I wanna to let go of time. Well, that's impossible. We live in time, or do we? Sometimes I think we expect to bend time to our will and we become disappointed and frustrated and angry when timing doesn't work out for us. And I can give you a couple of recent examples. Just last night, I worked on an audition in a class and it was a tough voiceover audition, something that was a little bit out of my comfort zone, something I might be able to do, but the audition was due like by noon today. And so I was hoping to maybe take that file and edit it and see if it was worth sending to the audition. But for whatever reason, that file just wasn't available in time for me before I went up this mountain. So. In the past, I would have spent some time being very disappointed and frustrated and say, oh, I really wanted to do this audition and now I don't have the files that I need. And so I'm just gonna give up and say, oh, well, I couldn't do it because I didn't have the files. You know, it's just too darn bad that this file wasn't ready on time. But is the timing of the file really the point. Listen to that again. Is the timing of having a file available to me the point? No. As a voice actor, the point was I was interested to see if I could do this performance as an audition to a level enough that I felt it was worth sending in. Do I need the files for that? Well, I happen to have a voiceover studio in my home. <laughs> I had the copy and I had the direction in my mind from what I'd learned the night before. So I said to myself, okay, put on your brave girl pants and march in there and just give it your best shot. See if you can record your best take today yourself. Go do it. So I did. That's what I did before I came to this mountain. And I'm proud of myself. Is that take as good as what I worked on last night? I don't know. It was, I felt, good enough to send, right? I do feel that it was good enough to send. And so I got it out on time. And whether I get this job or not, of course, I would love it if I get the job. But even if I don't, what I love even more is I didn't let a timing issue get in my way. Time wasn't the factor as far as stopping me. 
time was the issue as for I needed to get into action. If I wanted to accomplish this thing, I needed to take action in this time to make it happen, and I let myself do that. So in the first case, my impulse would be, let time be my excuse. And this time, I said, let time be my motivator to go for it. Now, sometimes time as a motivator can be a very, very harsh taskmaster. And I'm gonna go back to some examples that probably all of us can relate to. Suppose I wish to be a smaller size by a certain date, maybe for a wedding or a high school reunion or a party or something. So I think to myself, uh, six months from now, I wanna fit into this size. <laughs> and if you're anything like me, Maybe that six months seems far away and you can go on your merry, merry way with robot aliens aplenty. And then it's three months and you think, oh, I still got plenty of time. And then it's like two months and you think, well, I don't know, maybe this is getting tough. And then it's like a month. And then you're searching for the latest fad diet that's going to melt 40 pounds off of you in two weeks, right? <laughs> Have you ever gone through that? Where time is like a looming monster, just like I had to be on the alert for that deer the time grows into your mind as this huge ticking clock that gives you unrealistic fear and gives you unrealistic expectations. Now, sometimes also if you had a size goal six months in the future, I would actually make a realistic plan find a food plan or an exercise plan or decide to modify my behavior in some manner and say, okay, I'm going to try to lose one or two pounds a week until such and such time. Though I'll be honest with you, that is very rare because in my compulsive dieting, binging career, usually I was just not proactive, reactive. I was reactive to things. So I would try to get really, really perfect on my diet to overcome all the times I screwed up on my diet and fell off the wagon and did these things. So it was always a knuckle biter for me to see am I going to make progress. And for me, goals always were kind of bad <laughs> psychologically. I would be freaked out by goals. I'd feel pressure. And I'd, especially if there was a time with a ticking clock on this goal, I would tend to find some way to shoot myself in the foot or let enough time pass by that I could give myself a good reason or excuse to give up and let that one slide. And the more that I deal with time and thinking about what do I want and how time is an impact, the more I realize that this was behavior of my past. And I don't want time to be the boss of me. I want to be able to live my life in the moment or I want to make a decision about what I want to do and do it. I don't want to give myself unrealistic pressure. I don't want to be a perfectionist so that the smallest mistake lets me wiggle out of my time deadline but I still find it very, very challenging to feel like I must do something in a particular time. That's why I'm very, very proud of myself that this is the fifth week in the row that I have walked up this hill on a Wednesday in order to record this. Because 
when I did compulsive overeating diary before, I didn't give myself any deadline. I would just say, I feel like hiking today. And sometimes you got five shows in a week. Sometimes it was a month before you had a show. You know, whenever I felt like it, whenever it was handy, which was nice for me, but it also didn't give me a structure to make sure that I was addressing your concerns or that you could count on me, right? It gave me wiggle room. Well, brave companions, I'm just gonna be here whenever. But with this reboot, I have set a goal for myself that's kind of time related. Unless I have a job or another commitment or something comes up, my, my target is to hike and record on Wednesdays. Now that doesn't mean you're always gonna get a show on Wednesdays because besides recording it, I have to also edit it and do all the things that it takes to release a show. And sometimes I don't have time to do that on the same day, but I'm doing my best to do that. And so I'm using again, time as a motivator. I see that Wednesday's coming up and so I think to myself, what might be helpful? Oh, I know, how about if I do the show outline on Tuesday? So I kind of know what I want to do and gather the comments of the brave companions and see if there's any phone calls I want to feature. How about if I organize all that on Tuesday? Or even how about I organize the files that I need in order to produce the show, to do the audio files? What if I get that all ready to go so I don't have to do every single job on Wednesday? Now that's some thinking. That took some pressure off me because that means the Wednesdays are mostly hiking and talking, a nice lunch, nice bath, and then to the editing suite with my friend Tiger the cat who is my lap editor. He sits on my lap as I edit every single show and I enjoy that time. Time is a funny, funny thing. Sometimes it passes so quickly. I honestly cannot believe that I'm as old as I am. It seems like only yesterday I was in high school. It seems like only yesterday Mark and I got married and it's almost, let me figure this out now, almost 23 years since Mark and I got married. But time can drag when you're waiting for things. Have you ever been on your diet and you jump on the scale and you say, oh, I haven't lost 20 pounds yet. What, I've been good for two weeks and yet I still haven't lost 20 pounds. Or I've been good for two months and I still haven't lost 20 pounds. And it seems that the time is just dragging because the results of what you've put in doesn't match up to the time frame you expect. And I think sometimes, as I've been alluding to throughout this letting go segment, we let time be our master instead of our guidepost. That's it. I'm gonna to try to let time be my guidepost and not boss me around so much. So today, brave companions, I'm going to let go of time. You know, I opened this show where I really needed to face my fear with the deer. And I wanted to share with you just a snippet from my latest blog post where I was writing about fear. It's called Blown Into Chaos by Devil Winds. Do you ever get tossed by devil winds in your life? 
Here in Southern California, our Santa Ana devil winds lately tossed everything pell-mell and pummeled our backyard with leaves, branches, and chaos. I felt the same inside. I am absolutely terrified by the sound, the shaking glass of the windows, and the looming threat of our neighbor's untrimmed swaying giant of a tree that moans, snaps, and bends over us like Godzilla stalking Tokyo. This is an actual physical threat that disrupts my sleep as our room is located on the second floor with only a flimsy roof between us and it. Our sturdy house that has withstood earthquakes with ease feels like a folded paper boat among the swells of a tidal wave. Our cats go crazy, I go crazy, and only Mark remains calm, having lived his entire life with Santa Ana's. This is a physical versus emotional fear. Since the terror comes from a physical source, I can take what steps I can. I move into our guest room, which doubles as my sound studio. This feels safer, as it is an interior room on the first floor, cocooned by the rest of the house, and has the added benefit of sound blankets shielding me from the racket. Disaster may very well still strike, but taking action has helped my compulsive mind deal with the fear. Later on, I pondered my reaction and realized that emotionally, I have phantom Santa Annas that pummel my emotions and self-esteem. And I try to do the same as I did with the physical threat. I hole up, safe from the scary world by isolating, distracting with food, diet thoughts, or endless hours of watching reruns of Survivor. And I go on, Brave Companions, and talk about the physical fear, my emotional fears, and some of the steps that I've taken to address that. And if you'd like to read the entire blog, go ahead to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com, and I'll have the link to it on today's show notes for day 135. And while you're there, it would be nice if you could leave a comment for Donnie, because almost as soon as I pushed post <laughs> on that blog, Donnie added this comment. Wow, fear, so deep. I've encountered some deep feelings of the fear of dying over the last 11 days as I've had a bad illness with severe effects on me and is undiagnosed. There are a lot of possible things. Fortunately today, day 11, I feel the best yet, but I sure worried about my husband if I died. I worried about the pain it would cause people and all the things others would have to do or deal with. After you're reading your excerpt here, I'm realizing I was using my worry about everyone else to hide behind the reality of my fear that I'm not ready to die. Whoa, Donnie girl, here is an extra big hug and smooch for you. Mm -hmm. I know that that is just a terrible thing to be going through, to have medical issues that no one can quite put their finger on and to face up to the reality that we all have, that any day that we're here on this earth may very well be our last. We never know. You know, we never know. And to not have a diagnosis makes it even more scary because you don't have an answer that gives you some idea. And as we said before, even if we know, that still doesn't always give us an idea. But the fear that you're facing is very, very real. And it brings into perspective how we feel about our life and what we've accomplished and who we are and what are we leaving and what's left for us to do here on this earth. So I want to tell you right now, Donnie, my love, you are a light to me. 
I know you are a light and a giving soul to this show. And I know from your Facebook page that you have been a light to many, 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 many people. And I trust and pray that that will continue for years and years and years to come. But you are an inspiration and an example, my dear, of a life lived well, risks taken, and going for it to the fullest. Speaking of timing, it's time to say hello and thank you to two new BCs who took the time to post their support on Compulsive Overeating Diaries show page on Facebook. First is BC Taylor, who posted soon after I asked on Facebook if you would like me to start the show up again. Taylor says, Yes, I just started your original podcast episodes and have a ton to get through, but I am loving them so far. I listen to them at work, in my car, all the time. Thanks so much for your comment, Taylor, and I so hope you are enjoying the new shows and you will share more of your story with us. Also posting on Facebook is New BC Amanda, who writes, Hi, Lori. I have only found your podcast about a week ago, and I'm loving them. It's like you're speaking to my heart. We can all get through this awful problem together. Big hugs, Amanda. I'm so glad you reached out to us. You are so right that you are not alone, and we are excited to hear more of your thoughts. BCs, please post your call to welcome our new BCs, Amanda and Taylor, so they will know you hear them and that they are definitely not alone. By the way, if you would like to post on the show's Facebook page, it's easy to remember. Facebook.com slash Compulsive Overeating Diary. Last show, I asked you to send positive thoughts to Donnie and Rabbit, and both these brave BCs had comments on day 134. Donnie writes, Oh, how I appreciate you and your kindness reaching out. I've sadly been inundated with different health things lately. I was told to watch out for 40, and man, they weren't kidding. Sheesh, I'll hope for recovery. So far, everything's checking out. Nothing disastrous. I totally needed to hear this show today. I'm a very structured and rigid type person who likes schedule and routine, and that was exacerbated by my created disordered relationship to slash with food slash diet slash health slash exercise. I need to remember grace self-love, and body kindness. I too have struggled with some weight regain. Part of what's needed, part maybe not so much needed, and I need to be kind to myself while I sort this out. At times I think about my job and needing to go to work and what people will think and feel when I really need to think about caring for myself too. I love hearing how similar I am to others and knowing I'm not alone or completely out of whack with my thinking. Well, okay, maybe my thinking is out of whack, laugh out loud, but I'm not singled out. (laughs) Thanks, BCs and Lori, for being great. I said, big hugs, Donnie gal. What first comes to mind is that structure isn't a bad thing. It's only when we get, as you say, rigid, it's a problem. Telling myself I'll hike and record on Wednesdays gives me structure that ensures the show will be released as I intend. But if it was too stormy or I had a voice job that day, I would adjust. I think for us, practical adjustments are easier than emotional adjustments. You can trust yourself. You know how to follow Weight Watchers. You know how to listen to your emotions and to comfort yourself. You have proven that you are the champ at picking yourself up and getting back to what you want. Sometimes the path is different than you guessed. Sometimes you don't have control like me and my bike accident. Sometimes you do and a different path serves you best at the moment. 
but your wants and needs can be met in several different ways. That's why I say courage is about being true to yourself and taking an action to accomplish that. Even if the action is to rest, chill, give yourself time to sort out your next steps. XOXOXO. Then BC Rabbit, love that name, has this to say about the status quo episode. I completely get the status quo, but still wanting a change. So inspired to hear you give yourself the deserved and needed grace. We all need to stop being so hard on ourselves. We are masterpieces in progress. I replied, hi, rabbit. You said we all need to stop being so hard on ourselves. We are masterpieces in progress. Thanks so much for this great thought. This is for sure one area that I still work on, especially as relating to goals or what I think I should have accomplished. Process, process, process. All life is lived during the process and not put on hold until a goal. With my mom's passing, I wanted to get better right away. I think now to push the pain away from me, but it didn't work. So now I'm leaning on grace, as you say. It's getting a little easier to just accept things are as they are, and I do the best as I can in any given moment. XOXOXO. And as always, if you have some thoughts about this episode or any other episode, please feel free to comment or to call the Bravery Hotline and put yourself on the Bravery Report because we would love to hear from you. And one of the bravest of the Bravery Report is Kevin from New York. I featured his call on day 130, and even though he is less than half my age, we shared so many parts of our stories in common. Sadly, we now have one more. He unexpectedly lost his mother, too, recently, and yet is brave enough to call and share his thoughts and feelings with us. Hey, Lori, it's Kevin from New York. Thank you so much for including me in your podcast episode update. I was so honored and at the time, I was actually home with my mom, um, who um, also just recently passed uh, about a month ago. She was 54. She didn't quite make her double nickel birthday, but um, I was happy that I got to be home um, when that happened. Um, it was sudden and unexpected, but um, it's proven to be quite an obstacle as well. I'm still listening to your podcast, and I heard that you also lost your mom, and I thought that was... I just wanted to give you my condolences, um, and I really do appreciate you, and there's so many parallels in my life that isn't in such a different place and started in such a different way, um, and I'm so grateful that you made this podcast and that I have it, and then it was the backbone of me really making the initiative to spend the 25th year of my life um, committing to intuitive eating and not going on some diet or some huge binge, and I have been eating terribly, but I have not been you know, to the depths of my binge eating, which is amazing, you know, in this time of the greatest sorrow that I could be experiencing, that I'm not in the greatest depths of my binge eating. I'm like, what? what's happening? I don't understand. But, you know, I really do firmly believe that a huge part of that is because I started these really hard building blocks with you of, you know, I was in the same place. I was like on all the diets. And then when you started to go through intuitive eating, I was like, well, I'll keep listening because I love Lori, but I'm going to start the diet. Um, and, you know, I finally came around after you had already, like, were so well on your way. And I haven't listened to the full episode about, you know, about your mom. It was a little much for me. And I want to listen to it, and I will definitely listen to it um, in some time. Um, but, but thank you so much for your support and, you know, for doing this and really putting yourself out there. And I just want you to know how much, you know, I appreciate it as 
someone that's in a whole different strata of life. I feel like maybe I'm not in a different strata of life. I think that we are similar souls, maybe at different points in the river, but I think very similar. So I'm super grateful, you know, to to have you and that you have made the space and have taken the time to really articulate these thoughts for us to all benefit from because it's been really just tremendously helpful for me. And thank you so much. All right. Bye. Kevin, I am so touched by your call and thank you from the bottom of my heart that in your time of grief, you sought to share with me in mine. I think we are twin souls for sure, and I'm sending you love and smooches and soul sister hugs. BCs, you can read more of Kevin's story on the actual bravery report page that we have on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com, and I'll post a direct link to it on today's show notes. And Kevin, I don't know if you saw it, but both Donnie and Sue from UK posted welcomes to you there as well. Something you said in this call triggered some thoughts for me. You said you were surprised that you hadn't hit the greatest depths of your binge eating in your grief. I too was surprised, both by how easily I went back to the robot aliens and how much I didn't give in to the robot aliens. And I realized that a great deal of that was driven by my sense of identity. Before my mom passed, I had a certain identity in the world as a daughter. And before I dealt with my eating issues, I had a certain identity as someone who lives with compulsive overeating. That sounds kind of weird, but that was sort of the, the suit that I was wearing. It was what I wore day to day. It was how I dealt with the world. I was a daughter who had a mother, and I was also someone who, like my mother, struggled with eating issues and found comfort in food. And when things would come my way, it would feel like me to deal with things using food. It would feel normal and natural and feel like me. And so part of my struggle, both with losing my mother and in a way losing my compulsive overeating companionship, Because I really have changed through doing this show and following the principles of intuitive eating and also learning to be less perfectionistic. Just this real heartfelt thinking these things through means that I'm a daughter without a mother and I'm a person who doesn't use food in the same way and it's not as natural. When my mom died, I did fall back into some compulsive eating, but in a way I don't even know if I can call it compulsive eating because it was sort of mindful, I'm going to eat this stuff in order to turn my mind off as an actual choice. How's that for weird? I made an actual choice that I am going to eat these foods that I know are numbing to me because I choose not to deal with this grief and loss right now. And even that triggered more grief and loss because what used to be a great mindless, mind-numbing way to escape my feelings no longer really was because I was always aware that I was making that choice, which took some of the fun out of it. I mean, how can you binge on ice cream if every minute you're going like, well, I guess I'm going to eat this ice cream so as not to feel sad over my mother. 
It just doesn't taste as good, I tell you. But coming out of that, or you never really come out, like we talked about time earlier, you don't say, okay, from this point in time, I'm this, and at this point in time, I'm that. Because I'm still a daughter. I still have a mother and father. They're just not living. But I have my memories of them. I have the lessons they taught me. I have my family traditions. I'm still a daughter. I just don't have my parents here. I still eat food. Sometimes I greatly enjoy food. Sometimes I know that I might be eating food for a reason other than for deliciousness or for nutrition. But I can't really say that it's compulsive because for the most part, I know exactly what I'm doing each time I put a fork into my mouth. And that's a really weird thing. But I'm having to learn to grow into this new identity. And for you, Kevin, I wish you peace and love as you grow into your identity of a son who had a strong relationship with his mother. And even though she's not here on this earth, you are still maintaining the traditions that you learned having that strong relationship and you're spreading that love to others as you've done by sharing with us here on this show. And we love you and appreciate you. Mm. So BCs, until next time, take time to appreciate yourself and to see all the unique qualities that you bring to the world. And take care, because I really, 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 all the time, care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. Inside my skin